Welcome to the Irish Society of Stage and Screen Designers podcast. Each episode covers different aspects of sonography and its processes with designers from all disciplines at a variety of stages in their careers. These podcasts are possible thanks to the Design and Crafts Council of Ireland. Welcome to Stage Left. Today we are talking about the differences between designing for a stage and a screen, from practical considerations to debunking some perceptions of both, and many other insights from our wonderful guests, costume designer Cathy Strong and production designer Ferdi Amorphy. I am Noelia Ruiz and I hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you so much for being here today, Kathy and Ferdia. You're welcome. So Ferdia, uh, let's start with you. You were saying that um, you moved from a stage to screen due to different reasons, one of them primarily the recession. And did I get that right? Yeah, I mean, up up until really the, the banking crisis and that economic downturn, when really funding to, to the arts was you know, was pretty much stopped for a, for a period of time. Around about that time, I stopped getting really inquiries for theatre, largely because the activity, the level of activity had reduced so much. Um, but I was lucky at that time, I had, I had made contact with some production companies in film to try to get a bit of experience in doing film. So I was really fortunate that I was kind of able to sidestep into screen projects reasonably easily um, without too much of a drop-off in activity. But if, to be honest, if I'd been waiting around for, for theatre projects to kind of come calling, I, I w- would have been waiting a long, long time. You were mentioning as well that uh, one of the reasons that uh, theatre producers stopped uh, contacting you is because... There is a perception that on a screen, budgets and fees are much higher. I suppose there's, there's, there's an element of a feeling that you have. There's definitely a, a, a conception out there that, you know, both fees and budgets at your disposal in film are vastly greater than those available to us in theatre. Um, that's, that's true and false because depending on the size of production you're on, you know, the scale of productions that are produced on screen vary greatly between very, very low budget productions right up to multi-million euro projects. So I don't really have experience of what it's like to work on, you know, the likes of Vikings or Game of Thrones or something something huge and with, with massive budgets. But certainly um, in terms of lower budgets, you work extremely hard and, you know, often with extremely long hours, often much longer than the days I would have put in in theatre to, to earn what it is that you're earning on the gig. Um, and also on the lower budget gigs, you know, the fees are not, they're not fantastic. And what about you, Cathy? Um, yeah, no, I, um, I studied... Um theatre design in in London and came over um, and, and was working on lots of theatre projects so a bit like what Ferdy was saying when you're working in theatre the, the tendency is you'd have an order to make a living at it you'd have kind of upwards of about nine or ten projects going in one year and they'd all be kind of you know overlapping so you'd be starting one you know finishing up in another you know starting talks that project maybe slightly further in, in, into the future. So, so you'd, you'd be balancing all of those at the same time in order for it to, so they'd all kind of fit together and slot into the correct time. Obviously, if you're on film, that's a bit more absorbing. So you're kind of like, you know, you're doing those long hours. So, so it's, it's a diff, slightly different um, setup. So, so basically, I started doing theatre design. Then I came over here to do a show with Druid Theatre Company, 
uh, kind of started doing, you know, working with a few theatre companies here and then got asked to do the costumes on a film. And then not that I necessarily thought of myself, I'd kind of thought I was probably going to be a production designer like Ferdia, but was not to be. I was kind of drawn towards the costume side of it and that's just the way it went. And I kind of went with it. I wasn't kind of kicking and screaming, but um, that was just the way, you know, the cookie crumbled as it were so I was very much doing set and costumes for quite a lot of my career before I kind of fell and or rolled into costume uh, design exclusively um, as it seems at the moment I mean I haven't done any set design for a long long time and Cathy was that a choice or was it kind of a similar experience that there's just there was just less and less work in theatre well I mean and, and something's come up quite a lot recently I think it was a couple of years ago there was a lot of there was a a lot of people um designers writing together uh, trying to get a sort of format a letter to say that you know that they they weren't getting employed enough and there wasn't enough but there just isn't enough work here I mean that, what I found is you know I was living in Glasgow I had a flat in London as well and was coming over here so in order to fill your schedule for the year I was basically doing you know, Glasgow, Dublin, Belfast, Norway, you know, all of that. There's a lot more travel involved. You know, I'd literally wake up in a, in a hotel room and go, now, is this Sheffield or not? <laughs> I really couldn't remember. So that, that kind of, um, that's the kind of schedule, you know, you'd have had. Um, and, 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 and so there's, like there's lots of kind of life decisions that kind of come along that make you make these decisions as well as the work ones. It's just that's just not sustainable if you're trying to, you know, yeah. have a relationship, set up home, have kids, all of that kind of stuff. So, so it kind of fell into, you know, domestic and or work um, decisions, really. But I do, I do think in Ireland there just isn't enough work to support the amount of designers there are out there. And I think when you were saying there about the, you know, like you step out of the moving vehicle um, and people think that's it, you're no longer on that journey. At the moment, most particularly with this, there are so many colleges creating, you know, designers. So, you know, there's the Lear, there's IDT, there's, you know, lots of different kind of um, endeavours, kind of more individual ones. So, there's, you know, when I first came here in 1990, there was no college, no course, no nothing that you could train for theatre design in at all. Everybody kind of either learnt it kind of as they went along or they went to the UK or somewhere else and and kind of did a course there. I think I'm right in that, aren't I? I mean, mm. Birdie, you, you, you were, in, did you go to college in the UK? No, absolutely. Or? Before before IADT, there was, there was really nothing here. Yeah. There was, you know, elements of the course in Trinity that would cover design, but it was, sure. it was, there was no dedicated course. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, and I was the same. I, I traveled to London to mm-hmm. Central St. Martin's to, to train. Mm-hmm. Um, and then came back here and kind of tried to got a job as a as an assistant to another designer. Yeah. Um, and that was the way I kind of broke in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be honest, and, and I've kind of I've worked in the Lear quite recently. We did um Merchant of Venice there, and I've kind of been up in IADT the odd time as well, kind of seeing the students there. And I mean the the caliber is incredible, the 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 skills, the dedication, but but my anxiety when I see them all, you know, part of my mother head goes on here, which is like, where are they going to get the work? Because it just isn't enough here in this country. You'd have to travel. Although I do think that very few of them who are doing those courses, you know, the last time I did a kind of show of hands, who wants to be a costume designer? And of a course of about 15, I think it was only two of them, you know, so the rest had already decided very yeah. much as, you know, the course I did at Central St. Martin's of the students that were there in my year. I can't really think of anyone who's doing theatre design now. Everyone's kind of gone off and done different things related. And it's, that's not to, you know, um, dismiss the, the course because it's really good and it teaches you lots of other things. Yeah, but I think that's the case, Cathy, really with anything. I mean, I, sure, sure. I trained in marketing before I, you know, went back to college and started into theatre design. Mm. And uh, even in the theatre design course in, in St. Martin's, there's oh, there's only a handful of us still working yeah, in, yeah. in the area. Mm-mm. You know, I think 
so much of what we do in college is a kind of a general beginning yeah, to, our, totally. yeah. to our working lives. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, we sidestep so many times that, yeah, yeah, for sure. that for actually... Sure. I'm I'm less I'm less worried actually about a lot of people being trained in the field. Um, I think it's a really good thing because it it just oh adds yeah that's a I, I mean I wasn't to the you know to the discipline. Yeah, yeah, no, I I I, I totally um, agree. I think the more the merrier on that front, and then you know, and for each person to then find their their journey beyond that, but. Yeah. Equally, you do, you do kind of, I mean, like I say, it's entirely the mummy and me goes, oh God, where are they going to get a job? <laughs> um, and, and then it kind of, that leads into a question that actually I was asked specifically to go and talk with students about IDT is what kind of tenacity do you need in order for you to carry on? You know, the, the highs and lows, the lean years, how do you fathom your way through all of that I think that building that muscle I suppose um I think is really important but that's it's like a sort of love and luck <laughs> what, what, what what's gonna bring so what you, did you that? what did you come up with as your skills for for surviving the ups and downs um well it wasn't uh, there was no easy answer it's just you have to just really it's like you say to an actor most particularly you just have to really really want to do this and nothing else you know that's it no good Kathy I was Mm -hmm. hoping that you'd give some nugget of wisdom that I could learn I'm still learning how to survive the ups and downs of this absolutely yeah I mean you, you get to a certain stage in your life and you think I am now technically too old to retrain <laughs> and yeah. I you know it's like you you all your life you're kind of going through I'll take this road then I'll take this road and then I'll take that road and then to a certain extent you feel well I've actually trained myself to such an extent that this is now all I can do <laughs> because it's become so honed and buffed and whatever it's, you know it's funny though you you did actually you brought up something there which I think is really uh important now, you know, the trainings have got very good. And I, I certainly, I remember my own training um, in St. Martin's was extremely good at putting on activity and, you know, teaching you skills at responding to understanding your gut response to things. Hmm. But it wasn't, I don't think any of the trainings are particularly good preparations for the practicalities of working no. as a designer no. yeah you know how to how to really successfully collaborate with with lots of different types of people how to negotiate fees how to mm, 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 mm. um how to deal with producers you know yeah those never come up in courses yet once you leave it's the first thing you meet it's yeah. like oh crap how much do I charge how do I how do yeah, I find yeah. it? How do I get a job as an assistant? How do I, you yeah, know? Yeah. And I think some kind of realization of the of the real practical uh, demands of the job mm-hmm. would be really, really great in those courses. Yeah, I do. I mean, I have to say, I think the the courses I've seen, they're already at least talking about it. I was like considered almost kind of uh, rude to discuss money or or what you might possibly do at the end of it seemed, you know, um, our tutors were always very much, you know, dealing with the here and now and this project. And, and I've often said to, to kind of prospective students, whatever, it's like the, the doing the course gives you the confidence to go out and say, this is the thing I want to do. It doesn't actually teach you much beyond that, except now you can say okay you can announce to the world that you're going to be a designer and it's given you that confidence but then you go out and once you start doing it it's that it's like then you add speed that's the other thing you know because you've spent weeks and weeks nurturing and doing this incredible project um and you've had ages to do it and loads of research and all of that and then when you get out in the real world it's like well I'm in a taxi. I'm on my way to my meeting. Where's that piece of paper? And I'm just going to jot down a little design here. So it's, so you're doing it kind of like much 
quicker you know um and that, i think that's very true that is something like you get your training but then you still have to do you still have to do an apprenticeship you know i one of my first jobs ever i i always my dream was to work at the citizens theater in glasgow and i finally got there and i was delighted with myself and one of my first jobs was a kind of late night paint the stage with one of the other assistants to the amazing philip prowse and it was a huge stage we sort of split it in half started the back we'd paint down and hit the front and I was kind of like I'd say about an eighth of the way into the my half and I suddenly realized the other assistant had finished was off the front of the stage and had done it and I was like okay (laughs) so so the idea that you'd have to do something at speed and you know on the you know and and work as you were saying earlier about having instincts working on your instincts I think you kind of hone those secretly and kind of a little bit while you're at college, but then once you get out in the in the real theatre and, and you're having to do do things really quickly, I think yeah. that's that's your apprenticeship, Absolutely. basically. That's quite an interesting point, particularly because in recent years we've seen a proliferation of third level education courses on sonography, stage management, etc. And there are certainly a few people that criticize this academic institutionalization of crafts, of what used to be an apprenticeship, something that you traditionally learned by doing. So I wonder what's your take on that? You're absolutely right. And it's funny, one of the the things that you were, you know, asking about advice would you give to designers starting over, or, you know, at at the very beginning. And I think... I suppose for me, there would be like three, three really important things. The first would be to try to meet as many designers who are already working as possible Mm -hmm. because everybody you meet will, will give you, you know, their advice and insights into, into the industry. Everybody's experience is different. So, you know, just speaking to one designer or two is not going to really inform you as to the way either the industry works or what are best practices in the industry mm-hmm. or, you know, you'll only get that from a number of people. Um, I think the other thing is if you can get some kind of experience, when I started the great Monica Frawley on a few productions before somebody asked me to do, you know, a design of my own. And I learned so much from her just watching how she interacted with <laughs> designers or other designers, directors, you know, what, what you could say, what you couldn't say. Um, Which in Monica's case was probably, you could say whatever the hell you like. <laughs> That's right. She was always very forthright, brilliantly, right. brilliantly. Yeah, 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 she was great. But I, but I learned a huge amount from her. Mm. Um, and I, I think what, what Cathy already brought up is, is kind of the third thing for me which was really really work on your time management skills because the stark reality of the speed of design and decision making in the real world is vastly different Mm -hmm. to I suppose the kind of time that would be associated with most college-based projects it's it's it bears no resemblance. Mm. So you know the the better you are at managing your time and being able to prioritize, is a is a is a huge skill and it's a great thing to 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 get really really good at. So what could be for you the main difference between designing for a stage and a screen? Obviously, taking into consideration that a screen can be TV, commercial, cinema, music, video, and that's quite different. And also stage involves many different art forms. Um, very far away and very close up, I think, would be <laughs> number one. <laughs> um, I mean, something that looks amazing on stage would look terrifying on screen. You know, it's like we think of uh, of ballet dancers and, and how amazing they look on stage. And then you see their makeup close up. Then right there you have a very kind of classic difference I mean obviously the approach is the same you're kind of like you're going where are the arcs in the story where is the you know where's the drama where's the you know whatever and and so you're you're holding back and and pushing forward in 
whatever arena that is um to 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 um underline the story um uh, I mean that's probably more for you for dear because I've kind of sort of sloped off the 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 theater design thing so it's I mean it's much more probably as a kind of production designer that might be more um relevant is it I've probably I'm not doing as much costume anymore obviously because I'm not doing as much theater but certainly in in set design um I think the process is is very similar in that you're still you know the collaboration with a director with other designers the uh, proposals of different options getting costings mm. similar between the different uh, collaboration media. yeah mm. I think the big the probably the most significant differences for me generally with theater or dance or opera you are it's you know it's a single venue versus multi location mm-hmm. so your your approach has to be extremely different to the material because you don't have that you know two hours of people sitting cocooned looking mm-hmm. at one world you're you've got people watching a vast number of different environments that are constantly changing so the other thing that uh, always amazes me is the difference of how budget makes its presence felt so much more in screen work it seems to be at the forefront of your mind where i find that if i'm working on the stage it's one of the things in my mind i don't know if you find that kathy yeah i mean i think as well there's kind of the you know there's the kind of reality of the world as well i mean the wonderful thing as a designer is when you when you do theater show then you're 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 looking at a much more emotional response to the text or whatever and you're allowing um a more kind of dreamlike quality um if you like as well because just for instance you're doing you know you're doing Shakespeare let's say um the chances are if you were doing that for film or television you'd create a world you're absolutely right I think it's exactly that I think your stage world is a much more conceptual world Mm, mm. um and certainly with screen design you know largely unless you're building everything as a set Mm-hmm. But largely, you, you tend to be interacting with existing locations and kind of overlaying a design or choosing yeah. interventions that you can make rather than coming up with something from scratch. Mm-hmm. So I think certainly on the on the low and medium budget, you tend to be a little bit more constrained mm-hmm. creatively than you would be with most stage productions. Mm-hmm. What's more challenging then for you creatively? A screen or a stage in their many different expressions? Or does it depend on the project, as most things do? I think it's I think it's project based. Um, yeah, I think so. Uh, and even the ones, you know, as with theatre design and film and television it's often not the one that you think is going to be complicated that is complicated, you know. Uh, um, so yeah, it's entirely to do with the project, I would say. Yeah, um, I agree with personnel that. Personnel and, you know, all of that. Because the other thing is, like, you have your ideas and you do your model box and your costume drawings, whatever, um, or your however you lay it out if you're doing film, and you bring that to the director and then the actors come in and they have their opinion and then the producers have their opinion. So, you, you know, it, it, that that really collaborative bit... Um, is where it either works or doesn't. It can start to sort of like slightly dissipate if not everyone's on board with some of the key ideas. Um, I think in theatre, it's much more likely to hold its kind of... uh, The the integrity is more likely to be held because, you know, you, you kind of try and test it you've got a longer time to kind of test it out and kind of um, uh, work work out the ideas. Um, uh, so, so that prep part of it is much more kind of 
creative I mean always much more fun than I'd say when you're doing films and whatever it's um you're kind of straight into it you know straight away um but you've got a longer kind of lead time I think usually doing theatre would you say fair to you does that seem fair or I've both I've had <laughs> mm. I've had theatre pieces that have had vastly too little prep right. time and uh Likewise, with sometimes with uh, screen projects where it's either you've had a lot of time actually to prep, but even with a lot of prep time, the the speed of getting things done seem, does definitely seem to be much faster with with screen projects. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know whether that's because you know you you tend to be involved with a lot more people. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe there is there, there's an element of a of more chefs, you know, more voices that have to be listened to. Yeah, yeah. Um, that is certainly the case when you're doing commercials because you have yeah. clients, um, you know, the agency, the production company, uh, and your own team, and there's there's a hell of a lot of people to satisfy mm-hmm. with with your negotiations. Uh, Whereas I think theatre is probably at the other end of that, where there's it's 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 a much tighter group actually who mm-hmm. conceive of the the approach for the piece. You know, generally it's the director and your a core team of designers. Mm-hmm. So the costume designer, the set designer, and the lighting designer with the director, and that's kind of mm-hmm. really the core working group. Nobody really is. Um, to, you know, the, the the discussions with the producers, for example, are rarely about the the aesthetic of the piece or the you know the particular context. Say the decision to yeah, place yeah. it in a particular geographic location or at a particular time period, or whereas all of those decisions are very big decisions for producers in screen projects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, there there are. Minor differences, I suppose, between them. Does that mean that you have to compromise more? Oh, that's a very loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not at all. No, never. Uh, do you have to compromise more? Well, to be honest, I think it's like one of those key differences that we, we looked at before. For me, I think the budget is something that determines so much of the, I suppose, compromises, for want of a better word. You know, your money has to go a hell of a lot further, I find, when you're doing a screen project. Mm-hmm. Um, because of those different locations, because of moving around, because, um, you know, because of the demands of the piece, whatever it is. But the, the generally your spend is, it has to be, thinly spread across the whole production with, you know, making decisions on where to maybe heavily spend on particular scenes because they are key to the story or they are, there is something that demands a spend because they are an imagined space or, or a, with dance or opera, you're very much producing the world and there you are and that's the way it's going to be and I know exactly what the totality of it is going to cost and how long it's going to take. Whereas you have to break that up much more in screen projects and hone it down almost scene to scene, how much you can spend, how much you can, you know, how much you can allocate on props, on on set build, on construction, on, you know, and you're you're literally counting the pennies across how that can be allocated. Mm-hmm. Cassie, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, yeah, no, it's the same. Obviously, um, you know, you might have a cast of 12 on stage and you might have a cast of 12 on screen, but you have 300 extras behind them as well. So that can that can um, add to that. But, you know, I mean, one of the best things a um, director said to me when I was first working in the theatre was, you know, if you've got, 50 quid and the most important thing you have is a pink feather boa and it costs 45 then you better make that fiver work for everything else because if that's the key thing you know so that that there, there are times when you 
in budgeting you have to do it in terms of what's the thing that's going to make this show work be special you know give it the drama or whatever so 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 budgeting can be that way as well which is that you know you, you can, I mean, as, as Ferdy was saying, you're kind of cutting it up and you're slicing it and you're kind of making it, go, but it doesn't always go evenly. It can go very unevenly. And I think that's where designer kind of um, confidence comes into it. And that's where your, your training has been, where you kind of go, what's the key element that's going to make this really special? And it might not be a element. I'm just saying that as a kind of example. But um, I think that as well, just kind of working out, you know where where you you're, you know you're likely only to have you know one costume designer one set designer one whatever and and they're each likely to get their own um budget so if you if you had you know the same people doing or different people doing the same project they may well spend their money completely differently so you know it's not like a kind of prototype here's how you do it and then you do it for the next one as well again that gets back to what you were saying is how much of it is project driven well I'd say at the budgeting stage certainly as well it would be very much project driven because it's just like what does this need to make it you know to knock it out of the park and and that's something you really have to have confidence to do that because people will always go you sure you sure do you need this do you absolutely need this you know and one of the first jobs I had was you know precisely that kind of we wanted to have not just one window but we wanted to have layers and layers of windows and they kept asking me do we did we absolutely have to have this you know and when it was the thing that made made the 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 set work but I mean I had so many kind of tremors of anxiety about maybe they're right maybe I'm just gone mad and I don't need seven layers of windows but but that's where you're training that's where all your college years of sitting with a model box or sitting with a drawing or whatever and building that up that that's that's how you bring that into the practical world I guess yeah so you both moved from a stage to screen for a variety of reasons. And I wonder, how was that learning curve? I would go back to the confidence thing again. I mean, I think you get, after you've been doing it for a while, um, you get a certain set of kind of skills that are actually quite, can be quite hard to quantify because they everyone's taken a different path. They started from a different position. They've gone in a different position, in a different direction. Um, uh, you're presented with different um, uh, projects. Um, so what you've built up is unique to you. Um, and, and, you know, and then everyone, you know, kind of at some point in your life, people might say, oh, that's very you. They can identify the kind of style or the, you know, design solutions that you're likely to come up with. Um, so, uh, sorry, I drifted a bit there. I forgot what the question was. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, the, 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 uh, I, will, I will always go back to the fact that the college is the bit that gives you the confidence and, and, and that's kind of like then in your arsenal of how you deal with any of the issues, questions, whatever that arise um, as you go before or after you have the skills. <laughs> and sometimes they kind of balance out. I mean, I love it when you see, uh, when you go into the colleges and the students are so confident and you're going, mm-hmm, yeah, that's going to work. <laughs> But you have to kind of, you have to let them at it and find their own way. Um, but you identify it because you've done that mistake or made that mistake yourself. Um, but that's just part of the process. And, and that's kind of gets you over the. So by the time you're maybe, so to go back, yes, your question was how to go from one thing to another way of working. By then, by the time you're moving from one skill into another skill set, you're bringing all the skills from the previous one. So you're not going starting from scratch again. You're bringing the whole arsenal of stuff that you've learned along the way. So confidence again, I guess, you know, um, and a little bit of know-how at this point. <laughs> and what about you, Ferdia? How was that journey? It was, it, to be honest, it was good. I really... Uh, it was so, it was really exciting because, uh, you know, you grow up watching television, watching movies, going to the cinema and to kind of feel that you were 
suddenly in the process was really exciting for me. Um, I suppose the biggest challenge that I suppose I had uh, in making the transition was learning, and I think I'm still learning, what the different roles of different people are, because there's, you know, generally when you're doing something for the stage, it's it's quite a tight group of people that you're working with. And the difference between that and moving into film where there's an awful lot more levels to the production. So the producers and the production team is a whole other thing. It's not just one person. It tends to be a whole team that you're dealing with. You've got, you know, a full construction department. You've got a props department. You've got an art department that you're managing. Um, and you're dealing with, with a whole load of new personalities within, within each of those departments. And largely, they're people you haven't worked with before because, you're, you know, you've, you've made this move out of theatre into a world where most people kind of stay. You know, there isn't a huge amount of kind of movement really between the two disciplines. Um, I think actors, directors, and somewhat designers are able to straddle that. But largely everybody else in the industry is quite happy to just stay there. So it's a, it's a group of people that you wouldn't have kind of come across had you not worked in the industry before. So it's a lot of people to get to know. And, you know, learning the difference, or not the difference, but the, the, the role that like a prop master does or a dressing prop or a dressing prop or an assistant prop or a prop buyer is, is kind of, it's, a, it's a, a new way of thinking to just saying to your stage manager, can you go out and get me this? Um, which, you know, theatre seemed so much simpler after making the move into uh, screen work. But it's very dynamic because of that. You know, you meet a huge number of people and uh, a, people with a, with a great skill set of their own. And I suppose the biggest challenge is learning to be able to relinquish a certain amount of your manic control that you have and actually um, learn to let people run with ideas and use their own capabilities and their own skills to, to deliver things for you. So speaking of ideas, where do you get uh, inspiration from? Well, yeah. for me, it always starts with colour, to be honest. Um, so um, I guess once you get the sort of sense of what the palette of colours are likely to be, um, that I kind of start from there a lot. I might start with swatches of fabric and build those up and see. There might be a picture that shows how those colours work together. And does that give the right mood? Is it kind of, you know dark or bright or you know what's the story arc but 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 I'd, I'd, I'd certainly feel kind of combinations of colors um are very important as a starting point for me I might kind of see somebody in a yellow coat or a you know and it might not be as particular as that um and it might be a kind of combination of things and a, you know start with one thing end with another thing um so yeah, that would that would be normally my starting point. I mean, it's funny. I think one of the things for for any designer, I suppose, is learning to remain open to 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 the world around you, to be constantly observant, and you know whether that's things in nature that 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 you see or architecture around you or walking through a particularly interesting interior design space. Um, I suppose I, I tried from a very early stage to photograph anything I came across that kind of was of interest to me um, or that spoke to me in some way. And um, I was very interested in uh, installation art and generally going to art galleries. So 
I think, yeah, just being really open to and attuned to the things that really touch you or speak to you, you know, as you as you move through the world. It doesn't have to be necessarily the work of other designers or artists or, mm-hmm. um, you know, it could be, God, a designer, you know, veining on a leaf or on a, a piece of cabbage. It doesn't, or, you know, a particular shape of a window as you pass by a building. Um, it's just being open to the world around you. Um, I mean, I think generally for, for inspiration, for work, um, I had a really interesting experience with, uh, while I was in college, the college paid for a group of actors to come in to do a rehearsed reading of The Crucible, Arthur Miller's play. And, um, it really it really stuck with me. It was a group of actors. They came in in their own clothes. Um, you know, they went straight to sit in a, a straight line of like plastic chairs. And they they sat facing, you know, three groups of, of students. They had a bunch of scripts that I, I'm not even sure they had a script for each actor. They were half of them were sharing them. And they started reading and, you know, some of them would stand or sit or some of them would get up and be incredibly declamatory and really get into their characters. Others hardly moved. And I was just, I sat there and I was just blown away by the writing purely and blown away by the, how powerful just the actors delivering the texts actually was, you know, how successful they were at communicating the essence of the play without any of the trappings that I was training for at the time, like costume and lighting and set. They had none of it. And yet they were able to communicate on such a level that I was, I could hardly leave the chair like afterwards to kind of go up and say, well done, you know. I was just, I was, I was so struck by how pure it kind of was but it was a really interesting lesson because it kind of it kind of begged the question well what what the hell do the designers do mm-hmm. you know what extra can i bring um to improve an audience's experience of that play that seems so perfect as it is um and i suppose by realizing the strength of that raw material, it's, it makes you much more aware of the significance of every single item that you choose to add to your stage interpretation. Mm-hmm. That every single decision you make has to be there for the right reason and it has to add something too. Mm. So um, it's not really relating to inspiration but it, it was something that really stayed with me. And I think it probably has informed me. It's been the single most uh, informative thing in my own, I suppose, development as a designer, because I think it made me a much more spare designer in that I don't over-embellish things. Maybe that's a criticism. <laughs> um, but... It, it really makes me think every time I have a design, why am I putting that thing in? Or why am I choosing that? Um, but personally, I think that's a really good question to ask your, yourself every time. Cassie, uh, do you want to add anything to that? No, no, no that was very, very eloquent, very well put. Um, I think it kind of goes back a little bit to what I was saying about the the director telling me if you had to have your feather boa, that's where to spend your money. It's a similarly kind of, you know, paired back idea in that, you know, put 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 it where it needs to be. And as you say, when you've seen somebody deliver like that or a group of people deliver like that, you, you know, you discover 
how little is actually required. I had a similar experience doing a um, uh, rehearsal of uh, uh, La Traviata and some old church in um, Victoria. And the um, opera singer was wearing a kind of teal green velour really horrible tracksuit but boy oh boy when she lay on that really speckled old horrible day bed in the rehearsal room and um, kind of in her awful suit you know you could have heard a pin drop though you weren't going anywhere um so yeah as you say sometimes you do kind of question what we're really there for, <laughs> how much is required. But yeah, so it can be very, very spare. Um, and that, you know. Thank you both. Probably this is the last question and it's about being burned out. And Ferdia was saying earlier that uh, working for a screen involves more um, working hours. So is it more stressful working for a screen than working for stage? It's different. It's different timings. I think if you work, if you're working on a, a stage show, there's a kind of natural kind of progression to the opening night or to the previews. And, and once you get to the previews, you've got a few days to tinker with things until you get to the opening night. Then there's a kind of like the kind of um, the elation or not of that. Um, so there's a kind of like, you know, it's a kind of curve to how that work goes. Um the the difference between theatre and film is that you do you have a technical rehearsal where everyone's trying to get everyone trying to get all the costumes ready and all the lights in the right place and the painting done and that you know so you're trying to get everything done for this day if you're working in uh, in film and television you have a tech rehearsal every single day several times a day so it's that kind of energy goes on I mean you might be lucky and you have three days doing a large scene in one place but it's like you've no sooner done that and you go next onto the next one. Whereas in theatre, it's kind of like there's a build. But that in itself, I mean, I did the sing cycle with uh, Druid Theatre Company where we had, you know, we were doing all the sing plays. And I mean, I certainly felt burnt out by that because that was doing a theatre in a film way in that each day we had a technical rehearsal on a new plane or whatever and it was just like you didn't have the time to get back to the notes the first play you'd done all of that um that was really exhausting and 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 certain areas in film and television just because you're like be you know four or five o'clock in the morning and you're doing a kind of you find yourself doing 16 hour days you know you can't sustain that you're, you're going to need a couple of weeks when you finish to kind of just regroup and get all those hours back so there's different kinds of burnout um I think both are possible um it just depends how how tricky the 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 process is and how you know how hard that's been because sometimes it can be you know can be you know you can be doing long hours but they're not particularly um strenuous they're just long hours um or you can be kind of emotionally burnt out by something because it's like you're trying to get a, a theater show done and it's just not working or there's something happening so you're like you may not be putting the hours in on the stage but you certainly your head is is doing the same amount of hours so I think yeah I think each has its own type of burnout and I got like I was saying earlier you know when I was doing theater I literally would wake up in a hotel room kind of go I've no idea where I am or what project I'm doing you know so you get kind of burnout from just this sort of overall kind of processes of that um, and the the kind of broken upness of all of that so I think either is capable of um, uh, uh, burnout but also like if you're doing lots of theatre shows I always found that if you had one theatre show you'd kind of do that and it could sometimes feel a bit stodgy but if you were doing two or three there was a kind of energy and adrenaline that came from one that took you on to the next one and the adrenaline would go on to the next one and you'd maybe have things that you could follow through even though they were completely different projects so there's a kind of adrenaline versus burnout as well. Yeah I didn't find um I don't think there's a huge difference between, um, I suppose, the danger of burnout between the two. Um, I think it's it's just managing your your work life balance as a freelancer in general that you you kind of have to work on and get better at. I used to be terrible at that, you know, work life balance, and I would spend 
so much time on models and obsessing over tiny details, you know, because, you know, there was a, there was a meeting coming up with the director and, oh, this, I have to do every baluster rail on this set of stairs. Um, and you'd work long into the night doing it and um, not taking meals, you know, barely going to the toilet. <laughs> and you're like, you, you just you just can't keep going like that. Like I used to have ferocious fights with my wife about it. And she was right. You don't have to do those kinds of hours to do to be good at your job. You know, it's really easy, for example, in, in screen, if you if you want to, you can spend 16 hours a day working on it. And um, generally the shooting day is between 10 and 12 hours. And then you have to get there and get back. And if something big one day, you might have to stay in for an hour or two at the end to to kind of prepare for it. You you simply can't do that every single day on an eight or ten week project. You'd just mm-hmm. be completely you know, you'd be on in the ground. You just couldn't do it. So you just you know anybody doing it has to just get better at planning, taking a breath here and you know here and there and getting better at saying no. People say yeah, but but we need this, and you're like yeah no we'll do it in the morning or, you know, it, we'll do it tomorrow or we'll do it whenever. But, it, you know, everybody, I have to send the guys home. We can't stay for another four hours to do this just because you'd like it to happen. And that's, other times you think that's really important. We're going to stay late and we're going to work really, really hard because, because it's really essential and it's something that, you know, we all feel really strong about. But you, but likewise, you're not going to do that every single day. So it's just, it's getting really good, I suppose, at prioritizing and giving yourself ground rules and cutoff points. And I guess that's something that applies to most people these days in the digital world we live in, not just during the pandemic, but uh, pre-pandemic when you were... you are meant to reply to emails on your phone and be constantly on whatever the industry you work in. Anyway, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure and actually very insightful and enjoyable. And I hope it is also for our listeners. And I hope we'll have a chance to meet in person sometime soon. You're very welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, Kathy. Bye, Bertie. Great to see you. You too. Ciao. Nice to meet you. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We will be back soon with a new episode. The Irish Society of Stage and Screen Designers podcasts are possible thanks to the Design and Crafts Council of Ireland. Thank you.